Hello and welcome to Duffy's Tavern from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's Friday night, so we take you now to Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. (laughs) Say, friends, let me ask you something. How well do you take care of your teeth? Oh, of course, you brush them regularly, but how about your gums? Do you pay any attention to them? You should, you know, because firm, healthy gums are very important to lovely, sparkling teeth. That's why so many dentists recommend Ipana toothpaste and gum massage. For Ipana and massage give our gums the stimulation they need to keep them firm and healthy. It's so simple, too. All you do is brush your teeth with Ipana, and then you put a little extra Ipana on your fingertip and massage it on your gums. That's all there is to it. So, friends, if you want firmer gums, brighter teeth, and a more sparkling smile... Begin right now to use Ipana toothpaste and gum massage. Hello, Duffy Stavin. Where do you leave me to eat? Archie demands you speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Yeah, pretty big crowd here tonight. Uh, oh, Grogan, O'Flaherty, Murphy... McCaffrey, Gilhooley, Callahan, O'Hoolahan. Now, just a second, Duffy. Somebody just came in. Oh, hello, Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kelly's here and Moriarty. By the way, you ought to see Moriarty. He's wearing a wig. Yeah, a toupee. <laughs> Parted in the middle. Well, it fits him pretty good, but I think he's wearing it wrong. Well, the part runs from ear to ear. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to tell him a secret and found myself whispering in his nose. <laughs> well, he looks pretty good. Uh, he's had on his new tropical suit. The one he stole in Florida. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Moriarty? Yeah, she's with him. Uh, looks great, too. Nice new dress, you know. Well, it's a little big on her, but, you know, when Moriarty grabs them things, he ain't got no time to look at sizes. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll call you back, Duffy. I'm very busy now. I'm up to my ears in work. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Eddie, hand me that newspaper, will you? I want to check up and see how I'm doing on the stock market. Okay, J.P. Here you are. Well, let's see. Mm-hmm. Up a quarter. Mm-hmm. Up a quarter. You mean you made a half a dollar already? <laughs> Guess I must have. 
Looks like this new system I'm on is really working. What? What's the system? Well, you see, I analyze the margins against the trends, and if they fluctuate enough, I check them against the Dow Jones averages. What's that? Well, that's the Dow to Jones figures the stocks will average, you see. Uh, for instance, if uh, you see here, industrials, uh, high, 206, low, 205. Now, on the other hand, uh, utils... Util? Yeah, it's a term we use in the market. It uh, means utensils. Uh, <laughs> holy cat! Utensils went down three points. Eddie, get me a gun in a tall building. I'm bankrupt. Now, look, Plunger. Uh, you, you mean you actually got some money in these stocks? Well, not actually, just mentally. Oh, then you're still bankrupt. Eddie, I fancy your insult. Hey, Archie, you know, you got a lot of nerve reading the newspaper on Papa's time. What do you mean? Well, you don't see Papa down here doing that. Well, naturally, the stumble bum can't even read. But what's it any of your business, anyhow? Well, in the first place, that stumble bum happens to be your boss. And in the second place, he's my own flesh and blood. I know. And since he's been my boss, he's gaining the flesh and I'm losing the blood. <laughs> and while we're on a subject that wouldn't hurt your brains none to read the papers once in a while, neither. Look who's talking. I'll have you know that I read the newspaper every day from top to bottom. Well, maybe if you tried reading it from side to side, you'd learn something. Your idea, the biggest news story of the year was when Dick Tracy fell into the cement mixer. <clears throat> and what's wrong with the comic strip? Nothing, Miss Duffy. Read them all you want. But with a lot of important things going on, you should read the front pages once in a while, too. Especially these days when they're talking about you. Talking about me in the paper? Where? Right here in this article by Secretary Wallace. Every person in the United States will be asked to share with the starving peoples... People? <laughs> Must be a misprint. Uh, every person in the United States will be asked to share with the starving people of the world uh, by contributing either food, canned and tin, or money to buy food. But that don't mention me. Oh, yes, it does. Every person in the United States will be asked to share. That's you, Miss Duffy. You and me and everybody else. Oh, I see what you mean. Good. No, I, I don't mean that you have to give up reading Dick Tracy or how many freckles Van Johnson's got, but I do mean that you should take an interest in other things, too, you know. There are too many people already who ain't got the slightest idea what's going on in the world. <laughs> oh, hiya, Finnegan. How are you? Oh, I'm starved, Dutch. I ain't had a thing to eat all day. Why not? Well, I never eat on an empty stomach. Well, didn't you even have breakfast? No, I wasn't hungry. Well, how come? Well, I think it's this, this daylight shaving time, Arch. What do you mean? I forgot to set my stomach ahead. Now, wait a minute, Finnegan. If it's daylight shaving time, you don't set your stomach ahead. You set your stomach back. Archie, I'm afraid I must take issue with you. In what respect? Well, uh, in daylight shaving time, you push the clock ahead, not behind. Finnegan, I can see that you never shot the sun with a sextet. <laughs> now, if you'll listen, I'll explain to you how the thing works. Yeah. You see, time goes westwards with the clouds. So, if you happen to be taking a train from New York to Chicago, let's say, 
you'd go to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning, and at 1 o'clock, they shove the clock ahead and take an hour away from you. Well, what do they do with it, Art? Uh, they return it to you when you go back to New York in the fall. Anyway, as I was saying, when it's 2 o'clock in New York, it's, uh, uh, in Chicago, it's either 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock, see? <clears throat> Depending on which way you're going. Oh, now, if, for instance, you're going west as far as Denver, then you lose a lot of time. Why is that? Well, on account of the solar system. You see, the sun has trouble getting over the mountains there. Well, after all, Arch, no system is perfect. Granted. Oh. Now, uh, where was we? Uh? What? Where was we? Denver. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, <clears throat> leave us get on the train again now, Finnegan, and... Do you mind if I go in the smoker? <laughs> what for? I want to find out what time it is. Finnegan, maybe we'd better change the subject. Now, what do you want to eat? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, well, let's see. Uh, the, I think I'll have a bowl of noodle soup, uh, the... Nice uh, thick steak with French fried potatoes, uh, some hot biscuits, uh, some pie a la mode. Finnegan, I think that hole in your head must have gone to your stomach. <laughs> Look, ain't you heard what's going on in the world, that millions of people are starving? Never heard a word about it, Art. That's right, I keep forgetting you've been out of the world. <laughs> Look, remember when you and me used to go to PS4? Yeah, Art, I always wondered why. Well, the reason was so that we could learn something. We sure fooled them, didn't we? Double <laughs> do. What are you driving at, Art? Well, you remember we studied geography? You know that stuff about them other countries? But, Arch, what's all this got to do with hot biscuits? I'm sneaking up to it, Finnegan. Remember on the map there used to be a place called India? India? Oh, that was the pink one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how many people are starving over there now, Finnegan? How many? Seventy-five million. Uh, no, wait a minute. How do you know? Were you there? No, but I happen to read about them things once in a while. And I'd like to tell you a story that I read, Finnegan. A story by a guy named Mule that I read in the Reader's Digest. This guy went over to India as a reporter. And some of the things that he's seen over there, well, if I tell you, maybe it'll take your appetite away a little. Well, Mr. Merle, you've certainly come to Calcutta at a great time. This is the worst famine India's had in 400 years. Yes, yes, I know. I wouldn't have believed so much misery could go on in the world. How do you stand it, Captain? Well, you have to develop a callousness. It sickens all of us when we first come over here, but... We must steal ourselves or go out of our minds. Food. Food time. A crust of bread, please. Out of the way, beggar. Oh, wait a minute, Captain. Can't you see? Well, the woman is starving. Here. Here's some money. You'll go buy yourself a meal. What side? Food. Please, food. No money. Food. You see, Merle, there's no food to be bought. But surely, Captain, someplace there must be food. The woman is dying. And so are 75 million others in this country. Look at them. Look over there. The poor devil's fighting over the swill in the garbage pails, just so they can live a little while longer. It's unbelievable in this day and age. Well, there you see it. They die here in the streets every day, by the hundreds. Incredible. Uh, ghastly is a better word for it. And I've seen an awful lot of it, Merle, since I started working here with the civilian authorities. How would you like my job? What's that? 
Clearing the streets of dead bodies and burning them. Must take a strong stomach. Yes, it does. Look at that poor soul we were just talking to. Trying desperately to stay on her feet. Yes. And soon she'll sink to her knees and crawl about, begging for food for the strength to rise again. Food that never comes. Yes. And soon even the strength to crawl is gone. Then she'll drag herself to a dark corner somewhere and wait for death. And no one does anything to help? Oh, we do everything we can. But unless the fat countries send us food right away, millions more will die in the next three months. Is there, is there anything I can do, Captain? Yes. When you get back to the United States, let the people know the truth. What's that? A woman fighting with a dog, fighting for her husband's dead body. Stand back. You see, when famine strikes in India, Mr. Merle, it's the dogs that grow fat. You'd better come to my office and have a drink. Oh, you're still shaking, Mr. Merle. You'd better have another drink. Thanks, I will. You know, I'm no coward, Captain, but... Oh, you needn't apologize. I see it every day. I'll have another drink, too. Ah. Well, it's five o'clock, feeding time. Feeding time? But, but I thought... That's there... what I want to show you, what happens to a famine relief station out here in India, just outside. Just a minute. Stand in line and wait your turn. Stand in line, I say. And there you are, Merle. Over 2,000 people. And do you know what we've got to give them? What? One bag of rice. One bag of rice for 2,000 people? That's all we've been allotted. But, but you can't stop a famine with a single bag of rice. Naturally not. But that isn't our purpose right now. You see, the promise of a handful of rice attracts these poor devils from all over the province. It makes uh, our job simpler. I don't get you, Captain. Well, most of them will die anyway, but bringing them here simplifies our job of collecting the dead. Such a horrible story. Finnegan, this ain't no story. This is a fact. This is what's going on over there right now. If you can eat after that, you've got a cast iron stomach. But, Arch, I'm only one guy. I know you're only one guy, but, Finnegan, multiply you by a million. No, that's too horrible a thought. <laughs> what I mean is, if everybody did his bit, we could help him. And that story I told you, that's just one country, Finnegan. The same thing is happening all over Europe and Asia. 500 million people facing death by starvation in the next three months. Unless guys like us, Americans, are willing to help them. Say, say, Archie. Oh, hello, Colucci. Archie, I, uh, I, I want you to do me a favor. Oh, sure, Colucci. What is it? Well, this letter just come from my boy, Tony. And, well, I, I can't read it the English myself, so... You read it to me, Archie, eh? Oh, sure. Kid still overseas in the army, Colucci? Oh, sure, sure. He's a station in the old country. Good old sunny Italy, huh? Well, she used to be. You you read it a letter, please. Okay, Colucci. Hey, he's a sergeant now, huh? Oh, you betcha. Smart boy, my Tony. Pretty soon he's going to be a corporal. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. Oh... Let me see what he has to say here. Dear Papa, I'm awful lonesome here tonight. 
But I wouldn't get to be back with you and Mama listening to the radio after one of Mama's swell spaghetti dinners. I see, I see. Boy, will America look good to me when I get back, especially after what I've seen over here. I guess you've been reading about it in the papers, but reading about it and living with it is two different things. I never believed there was such poverty. Then again, listen to this. It's just what I've been talking about. Hundreds of people out in the field scratching and poking at the barren earth. The lucky ones finding maybe some grass or a few roots. Old women, women older than Mama, hitched to their plows just like horses. And with them, the kids planting seeds. And when you look at their half-starved little bodies, you wonder if they'll still be alive when the harvest does come or whether the earth that they're planting will soon be covering them. And then at night, you see them on their way home, hopeless and defeated, with hardly enough strength to pull their empty carts. Well, Arch, ain't they even got horses? Horses. Horses? <laughs> Long ago, the people, they eat them. Oh, go ahead, Arch. You, you, you read it, Mr. Moore. Huh? Okay, folks. And every night... When we come home from chow, we see the same things. Kids and women and old men holding out empty pots and bowls, pleading for the leftover slop from our mess kits. That's why I ain't been eating so much these days, Papa. Tell Mama that's the reason I might have looked a little thin in the last picture I sent home. I wonder if the people in America know what's going on. I wonder how they'd feel if it happened to them. Gee, I tell chilly, it couldn't happen here. Finnegan, they didn't think it could happen there, either. That's right, Archie. Oh, hello, Nick. I didn't see you standing there. Yeah, I've been listening. You know, Nick the Greek, don't you, Colucci? Oh, sure, sure, we uh, know. <laughs> where is your boy, Mr. Colucci? Why, he's a, he's a G.I.A. Joe. Oh. He's in Italy. Mm. That's a right near your old country. Italy. Oh, it's a shame. Italy. Where once is so much singing and the people is so happy. He's a shame. Hey, Arch, what's with these two guys? I thought the Greeks and Italians didn't like each other. What do you mean? Well, wasn't they enemies during the war? <laughs> the war is over now, Finnegan. And remember, hunger, she don't know one nationality from another. That's right. You see, Finnegan, today it ain't no longer dog-eat-dog. Dog. Today it's man-feed-man. Man. Oh, see, it's all right. Uh, the latter, she's a Finnish, Archie? Uh, not yet, Colucci. Says, God has been good to us in America, so for his sake, we got to help these people. We have plenty of food, enough to feed the whole world if we want to. So, Papa, talk to the people we know. Tell them to do it a little bit less themselves so that we Americans won't be found guilty of digging Europe's grave with our teeth. And tell them that unless we do help, we'll be digging our own graves because famine breeds fascism. And you know what that means. Well, Papa, it's nearly time for lights out now, so write me soon and give Mama a big kiss. Your bambino, Tony. Gracias, gracias. Well, Finnegan, does that get it through your thick skull, what's going on? Yeah, but what does he mean, famine breeds fascism? Well, that means, well, well, suppose you was hungry, see? And some guy with a loud voice comes along and he says, Follow me, bud, and I'll get you all of the food you want. What would you do? Well, I'd follow him, much. Sure. But before he gives you this food, see, suppose he says, look, you, you got to give up a couple of little things. Not much. Just the right to talk like you want to, the right to go whatever church you want to, the right to vote the way you want it. What would you do? Well, gosh, Archip, I was really hungry. Touche. That's what Tony means. 
That's what's going to happen again, just like it did with Hitler and Mussolini, unless we do something about it first this time. Sure, that's right. If we don't, uh, the war we just finish, she's a better fight for nothing. That's right, Kaluchi. And we can't waste time. These people is have to have help right away. I know. What do you mean, Nick? I also got a letter from my sister in Greece. You like to hear what she said? Yeah. unhappiness these words bring to you, I ask forgiveness. But I write with a full heart. Your letter telling us of the wonderful package of food you had mailed came at a time when my husband Charles and I were desperate. You see, our little Alexander, your nephew whom you have never seen, was very ill. The doctor had done what little he I'm sorry, Mrs. Varipapas, but the child is dying of malnutrition. But, doctor, doctor, you can't let him die. Our only child. Oh, what can I do? Food, food is the only thing that will save him. Tell me the truth, doctor. How long can he go on this way? I'm afraid I must be frank with you. A few days, maybe a week at the most. Oh, then there is still hope, doctor. There is a package of food on the way from my brother in America. Well, let's pray that the package will arrive in time. It will arrive. It must. package that meant life to our child. We waited day after day, days that seemed years, watching his little belly swell and the bones in his arms and legs draw the parched sallow skin more tightly over them. We tried to be patient, Nick. I prayed. Finally, we could wait no longer. We had to make one more last Desperately. But you, the head of the United Nations Relief, certainly you must be able to do something. I'm sorry, Mr. Valley Pappas. I wish I could help you, but you've already used up your allotment for the week. But we need so little more to save our child. Our only child, Mr. Smith. Please, just a little extra bread. Yes, I know. Just a little extra bread. But that's our problem. It's not your child alone that needs just a little extra to save him. Nine out of every ten children born in Greece this year are dying of the same thing. Malnutrition. It looks like the world has forgotten Greece. Oh, it's not only Greece. It's happening in every war-torn country in the world. I'm very sorry. I wish I could help you. But how can you let a child die while there is still food in the warehouse? Don't you understand? If I give it to you, I must take it away from another starving child. Then... Then there is no hope. Only if the nations that have the food... Treat this war of famine with the same sincerity and sacrifice with which they face the war of guns and send us food immediately. And while we wait, my child dies. No, my child will not die. Charles, please. Our baby will have food. I will get it somehow if I have to... Oh, calm yourself, man. Calm yourself. Charles, no, 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 no. 
What you're thinking of doing is wrong. Is it right that our baby should die? Please, Charles, let's go home. Perhaps Nick's package from America has come. No. I am through with dreaming and begging. Go back home. And let us hope that it is not too late. Doctor, why are you here? Your neighbor called me. Mrs. Varipapas, your child is dead. Oh, no. No, 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 my baby. My poor, poor baby. You can thank your God he is dead. My baby. My poor little baby. sat there after the doctor left Nick, trying to understand that my child was dead, trying to believe that it was good that he was dead, as the doctor had told me. This is not an easy thing for a mother to do. It must have been a long time, though, for the house was dark, and I heard someone at the door. Come in. You are Mrs. Verapapas? Yes. I have bad news for you. My husband? He was shot trying to steal food from the government warehouse. He is dead? Yes. You may identify his body and pick up his effects at your convenience. I'm sorry. Thank you. I loved with all the tenderness and passion that a woman can have for a man. I shed not one tear. I'm not ashamed that I was thankful. No longer would he know hunger, worry, and shame at his helplessness. I wanted to follow him and my child. Perhaps I would have found the courage then, had not my neighbor, who had heard the news of his death, Please, please, Mrs. Varapapas, let us help you. Come. Come stay with us tonight. Perhaps later. Right now, I'd like to be alone here. I understand. Call me if you want me. You're very kind. Oh, I almost forgot. I met the postman downstairs. Yes. He gave me this package for you. It is from America. Hey, Finnegan, are you still hungry? No, actually, kind of lost my appetite.
We are indebted to the magazine Asia and the Americas for permission to use the John Frederick Mule story on India. Say, men, how would you like to make your hair look like you'd like it to look? Well-groomed and without a patent leather shine. Then listen, get hep to Vitalis. Vitalis is a hair grooming preparation that really gets results in keeping dry, unruly hair under control. It's Vitalis and the famous 60-second workout that does the trick. And it's so easy. For just 60 seconds, you simply apply Vitalis to your scalp and rub briskly. Then you comb. That's all. But oh, what a change. Your hair looks well-groomed in a natural, masculine way, without that objectionable patent leather shine. What's more, Vitalis 60-second workout loosens a tight, dry scalp, routes loose dandruff, and helps prevent excessive falling hair. Vitalis is back now at all drug counters, and once again is America's leading hair-grooming preparation. So to look your best tomorrow, get a bottle of Vitalis tonight. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening. If you have a half hour next Friday night at the same time, remember... Duffy's Tavern, where do you late mate to eat? But not until the rest of the world gets fed. Oh, hello, Duffy. Uh, I was uh, just busy back there checking the icebox. Well, we're going to do it every day now so that we don't order a lot of food, you know, that we don't need. And you can help too, Duffy. Huh? Well, by giving up wheats and oils and fats. Okay on wheats and oils, but you won't give up Mrs. Duffy, huh? <laughs> well, you have to give up something, Duffy. All of us over here have to, because we want America to have the answer ready when the rest of the world says, give us this day our daily bread. Good night, Duffy. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.